Hey, good afternoon and Merry Christmas. I'm so glad you guys are here today. And this is the fourth of six weekend services or Christmas Eve services that we have here at New Spring. And we never take it lightly that you spend part of your holiday with us. And for the parking lot lines and the lines of the coffee shop and everything that you've gone through to be here, we thank you so much. And to those of you who are in the North Auditorium, thank you for watching with us and being part of this experience. Aren't you glad just to be off the roads? For a little while, yeah. I mean, I was uh, I was on Rock Road yesterday before the first service, uh, for first Christmas Eve service, and I thought I am taking my life in my hands. And as soon as I got in the stream, I thought it is just so good to be here because so many crazy things happen at the last minute when people go shopping. Um, this story had to come from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. That's where I'm from, even though I've been here almost 32 years. I th I think about stuff like this all the time because it's just weird convergence of of culture that happens during Christmas shopping. So in this story, what happened was this early lady was coming back to her automobile in the parking lot at one of the malls in Dallas. And just as she got to her car, there were four males getting into her car. And so being a Texas woman, I mean, she dropped her handbag and as it was falling, she pulled out her Smith & Wesson 357 and went into a crouch stance and said, I've got a gun and I know how to use it. Get out of my car. And I mean, the four guys scared like quail. I mean, they ran. <laughs> she caught her breath and started putting her packages in the back seat. This is before we had the push, bus, push button starters. And she tried to put her key in the ignition and it wouldn't fit. <laughs> and she realized what happened. And sure enough, there was her car about four spaces down. Being a good Texas woman, she decided she was going to drive straight to the police station, turn herself in. She tried to tell the desk sergeant what happened, but he was too busy doubling over in laughter. <laughs> because down the hall in the station was four scared young men <laughs> explaining how they had been carjacked by an elderly screaming woman with a Smith & Wesson 357. But my favorite Christmas Eve story is an apocryphal one. I don't know that this really happened, but I love it. I keep it with me every Christmas Eve, and I read it. It goes something like this. One snowy, stormy Christmas Eve, the perfect couple was driving their perfect car, an SUV, along a winding road when they noticed someone at the side of the road in distress. Being the perfect couple, they stopped to help. And there he was, Santa Claus, with a huge bundle of toys. Not wanting to disappoint any children on the eve of Christmas, the perfect couple loaded Santa and his toys into their vehicle, and soon they were driving along delivering the toys. Unfortunately, as it happened last week in Wichita, the driving conditions deteriorated, and the perfect couple and Santa Claus had an accident, and only one of them survived. Who was the survivor? Well, the perfect woman, of course. She's the only one who really existed in the first place. Everybody knows about Santa Claus, and Lord knows there is no such thing as a perfect man. <laughs> so a man read this story, and in a sharpie, he added this. So if there's no perfect man and no Santa Claus, the perfect woman must have been driving. This explains why there was an accident. <laughs> 
But I sure wouldn't say anything like that. <laughs> In the brief message I want to bring to you tonight, I, this, I got to be honest with you, this was not the talk I planned to bring. I was going to bring a talk called Miracle on 21st Street and talk about miracles. We'll save that for some time. But I just had this sense that God wanted me to bring something different to you. I want to bring to you a message tonight that comes directly from the Christmas story in the Bible. I want to just bring a talk to you for about 15, 20 minutes on three words. Peace on earth. I'm 60 years old. I don't know that I've ever seen a time in America with so much turmoil as we we experience right now. I'm not political. I don't get into politics. I deal in eternity. And I'm old enough to have seen political candidates and political parties come and go, and this party rise, and that party rise, and this party decline, and that party decline. So I've long quit looking, long since quit looking to political figures to be the solution for the brokenness in our world. So I don't get into politics, but that aside, I think wherever you fall in the political spectrum, you have to realize we've been through perhaps the most rancorous election season that I've ever been through in my life. And whether you're very happy with the outcome or very sad about the outcome, the one thing that I think none of us can, can deny is that we are in a country of turmoil right now. And I love social media because it gives us a lot of wonderful, cool things. But at the end of the day, is it just me? Or with the anonymity of social media, have we gotten a little more free with our vitriol and bitterness in our conversations with each other? There's so much name-calling today. And, and just beyond that, I mean, there are so many cultural problems that, that gnaw at us. We have racism in our country and class warfare and, and people that find all kinds of reasons to hate each other. And if, it isn't, if that isn't enough, there are so many families that struggle, relationships that struggle to stay together. Some of us will have a hard time during the Christmas season because we're going to have to get together with people that we're related to but not necessarily friends with. And then on a broader scale, I mean, terrorism. Global terrorism strikes so rapidly, it's almost like something that we bake into our week. I mean, we saw what happened this week in Germany. What a tragedy. And then the Russian ambassador gunned down on live television in Turkey. We live in a world in turmoil and a world that has a sense of not being all right. And it's into that It's into that crisis, that ongoing crisis, that the message of Christmas comes and the message of peace on earth. And so for the next 15 minutes or so, I want to talk to you about peace on earth because I don't know about you. I think I do. I think we could just honestly say, couldn't we all enjoy for a moment the ability to take a deep breath and to celebrate some peace? I want to take you now to the Gospel of Luke. The story of Jesus' birth is in two of the four Gospels. It's in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. But the the one version that gives us the most information about the events of Jesus' birth is the Gospel of Luke. And in chapter 2, there is the story of Jesus being born to Mary. And of course, you remember there was not room in the city for them. And so they wound up in a barn. And Jesus was born and laid in a feeding trough. But the part of the story I want to call your attention to is when the angels went to announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds who were outside the city. And at first it was one angel and then a group of angels. I want to break into the story when the single angel was talking to the shepherds in verse 10 of chapter 2 because it says this. The angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be, and I love this, to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. That's a, that's a term that means Messiah. Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude. Greek word for multitude there always means a number that you can't count quickly. A multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And here we go. Here's a line. And on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. I always believe that whenever the discussion turns to God, there are two essential questions that we deal with. The first question is, is there a God? And in an audience this large, and those of you watching online, I'm guessing that there's a spectrum of answers that comes back to that question. It could be that you're here today, and first of all, let me just say I'm very, very thankful that you're sharing part of your Christmas season with us, if, if this is your belief. But it could be that you're here and you're saying, Mark, I've examined this question and I've thought about it thoroughly, and I've come to the conclusion that there is not a God. I am a non-theist. I, I am an, what some people might call an atheist, and, and I'm not really here because I believe in God or believe in Christmas, but I'm here because this is a family celebration, and so that's why I'm here. And, I, and, if, that, and if you've come to that conclusion thoroughly and, and reasoned it out. I don't agree with you, but I respect, I respect your viewpoint. So you could just say, I'm here today, and I really don't believe that there is a God. Or it could be that you're here, and you would say, Mark, I am agnostic, which is a Latin derivative of two, two, two terms that simply means I don't know. It could be you're saying, you know, like Steve Jobs at the end of his life, he said, sometimes I think there's a God, sometimes I don't think there's a God. So that could be where you are here today. You say, Mark, I'm just... Not really sure. Sometimes I think there may be a God. Sometimes I'm not sure if there's a God. On the other, another line on that spectrum might be, you would say, Mark, I um, grew up in church when I was a kid, and, and um, I, I sort of think that there's a God. I don't know that much about who he, she, it is. I just believe there's got to be some sort of intelligent first cause. And then there would be others of us who would say, yes, I believe that there is a God. I, I feel a lot of distance between me and God, but I believe that there is a God. And still others of us, and I would be part of this group that would say, not only do I believe that there is a God, I have a relationship with God. But I just want to pay respect for a few moments to all of us along the spectrum. And I don't want to jam anybody, and I don't want to make any presumption. I just do think that this is the first question that all of us are going to wrestle with when it comes to the idea of a deity. We have to ask ourselves the question, is there a God? It's the second question, though, <laughs> where it gets really dicey. And that is this. If there's a God, how does God feel about me? I have, I've been very fortunate through the years, even though I'm a pastor of an evangelical church, I've been very fortunate through the years to have close friends who are non-theists, and they have been gracious enough to let me be part of their world, and we dialogue together and go out to eat, and we have, you know, I just enjoy the, the give and take and the exchange. Let me just tell you what I believe about that. My non-theist friends, I think they suspect that there is a God. It is just the understanding that if they ever go to the second question, it's a slippery slope. Because, see, therein lies the, the tough question. I, I would say that the tough question is not, is there a God? The tougher question is, how does God feel about me? Because when I think about that question, I instantly have an issue. And the issue goes something like this. When I think about who God is, and then I think about who I am by contradistinction, I don't measure up very well. Because if there is a God who is all-powerful and all-good and can do anything, I'm a total screw-up. I can't be perfect for 30 minutes. I have issues that I've been dealing with all my life. I mean, Lord knows, I deal with anxiety. I thought I would have that beaten by the time I was 25. And I'm 60, and I'll tell you what, I can turn a sore throat into cancer that fast. 
So when I think about who I am and all my failures and shortcomings, and I think about this massive God who is awesome and perfect, it's a, it's a rough question to entertain. How does God feel about me? See, I think many of us, and maybe some even here today, I think many of us run from God because we presume we know the answer to that question and it isn't good. I mean, I could be talking to somebody here today, and, and not in a literal sense, but in, in, in a psychological and emotional and a spiritual sense, you run from God. It's like you don't want to be at church. You don't want to, like, talk to Christians. It's like, and I can understand for some reason why some of you might not want to do that. But, I mean, it, it could be just, Mark, I don't even want to entertain the concept of God. And it could be because you've thought about this question, how does God feel about me? And it's like, well, if there is a God, he probably doesn't like me very much. And the weird thing about it is, though, you feel him pursuing you at times. There are times when you're, you're thinking about spiritual themes and thoughts and discussions that you have with friends. Or maybe you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you think about God and it's like, I have this sense that God is there and why is he pursuing me and is he chasing me and is he trying to harm me? True story. There was a woman in a big city in America, leaving work. She had to work very, very late, so late that she was like one of the last cars in the parking garage. She was scared to death, as all of us would be, male or female, but she was walking to her car quickly, briskly, to try to get there. She got into her car, and as soon as she got into her car to drive away, headlights came on behind her. Well, at first she thought perhaps it's just a coincidence. Maybe I got in my car at the same time somebody else did. But as she began to drive through the city streets, the dark, almost deserted city streets that night, the car began to follow her. Everywhere she went, that car went. She made a left turn, the car made a left turn. She made a right turn, the car made a right turn. She sped up, and that car sped up. So there was no doubt about it. This car was following her. And so she tried to think about any idea that she could possibly come up with to save herself. And then in the distance, she saw the lights of a convenience store that was on. She gunned the accelerator, drove into the parking lot, jumped the curb, raced out of the car to get into the safety of the convenience store. But the driver behind her pulled up, and he jumped out of his car. And instead of chasing her into the store, he went immediately to her left rear door and opened the door where inside there was a serial sexual predator. You see, he had seen when he was in the parking garage that man climb into the back of her car, and the reason he pursued her through the streets was he was trying to protect her and to save her life. And that's a great illustration because many of us fear that God is pursuing us to harm us when in reality he's not pursuing us to harm us. He's pursuing us because, well, the first message that we saw in the story, God has goodwill toward us. I mean, there are two things in that statement that the angel said. First of all, peace on earth. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But then goodwill. See, that's the thing. We don't have to guess how God feels about us. We know the answer. It came to us the night Jesus was born. The angel says, God has good feelings towards you. You know, you could be here tonight and you would say, Mark, I just, if I think, if I, if I ran into God, I don't think God would feel very good about me. Do you realize God has never had one hard thought about you? On your worst day when you did the worst thing that you're most ashamed of, God still never had any hard thinking about you. Goodwill. See, here's the thing. Let's, let's take the word goodwill. We don't use it much in the 21st century. Let's take goodwill and let's put it in, in 2016. Goodwill means I have, I have desires for you to have a pleasant outcome. I wish the best for you. If you could get with God tonight, what you would discover is that God 
wants the best for you. He understands that we're frail. He understands that we're sinners, and yet he wants the best for us. Then the second thing, and we'll talk about this for about five minutes, and I'll be through it. It's what we're talking about here tonight. Peace on earth. What is peace? I know this isn't a real word, but when I think about peace, I think of a sense of all rightness. I'm okay. I'm free. I can, I can take a breath. I can live my life. I'm not, I'm not in an in insecurity. I can breathe because there is a sense of all rightness in my life. Peace on earth. Do you realize there are about 4,000 years of recorded history? According to historians, there have only been 286 years of relative peace in 4,000 years, even though there have been 8,000 peace treaties signed and broken. <laughs> about 20 years before Jesus was born, and those of you who love history, you know more about this than I do. Caesar Augustus, he declared Pax Romana. In other words, he just said, I declare the world at peace. Wouldn't that be cool if you could do that? I mean, how many of you parents are going to be traveling with kids in the back seat? You just like to declare peace in the back seat. I declare peace. <laughs> there is Pax Toyota. I mean, you know. <laughs> there is Pax Minivan. I declare peace. If you're in a relationship, wouldn't that be cool? Just like tell your girlfriend, I declare peace. <laughs> well, that's a problem. You can't declare peace. I mean, for there to be a sense of all rightness, something has to happen. And, and in our story, I mean, the, the, the angel said, look, there is peace on earth for because unto you is born this day a Savior. God is saying there's peace available to you, and I'm giving you that peace through a Savior. And could I tell you in all love, that the only way you and I will ever experience true peace is to have Jesus Christ into our lives. He is the Prince of Peace. And that peace comes to us. I mean, use your imagination with me for a moment if you don't mind. I want you to imagine three arrows, one pointing up, one pointing in, and one pointing out because that is the kind of peace that Jesus brings to us. First of all, he makes peace with God. A few moments ago, we talked about Jesus have, or God having goodwill to us. Well, it's on this basis. What happened was... Our sins separated us from God, but Jesus came into our world, and being our Savior, he lived the life that you and I can't live. He ran the table for 33 years and then took that perfect life and laid it on a Roman cross, and for six hours he hung suspended between heaven and earth. And the way God looked at it was the blood that came out of his body was a currency that paid for every wrong thing that you and I ever did so that we have the opportunity now to have peace with God. Hey, we have double jeopardy laws here in our legal system in the United States. Once the price has been paid for something, a person can't be punished for it again. Well, when Jesus paid the price for us, God will not punish us for our sins again because we've accepted Jesus, and he becomes our payment. So there's peace with God. So first of all, the arrow pointing up. I don't have any problem with God anymore. God doesn't have any problem with me. The sin that separated me from God, Jesus has paid for this is my 32nd year at New Spring and my 40th year of pastoring. And I will tell you, one of the expressions I've heard most often is I've heard people say, I can't forgive myself. You know what? I didn't intend to say this, but a lot of the problems we have with other people, those of us who have issues with other people, it starts with the fact that we have a problem with this person. How many of us don't have peace because we're dealing with guilt? And yet Jesus came to free you from that. 
Because here's the thing. If he comes into your life, you're not guilty anymore. You're innocent. Your sins have been washed away. And you don't have to feel guilty anymore. And not only do we have the arrow pointing up peace with God and peace with ourselves, but now we have the opportunity to have peace with other people because if God loves us and I'm loved and I'm secure and I'm forgiven and not guilty anymore, I can afford to love you. I've been forgiven so much I can afford to forgive you. I mean, how can I hold my fellow men guilty or how can I hold them responsible for things when God no longer holds me responsible? at the risk of being personal here for a moment. Do you know what most, what most of us think of as peace is really a cheap substitute for peace? Most of the peace that we have in our world is accomplished by putting up walls. Legitimately so. I mean, you sleep at night because you know your doors are locked. And you have the alarm system. Walls. Some of you live in gated communities. Others of us have different kinds of walls that we put up that give security. See, that's the thing. Walls are a cheap substitute for peace. And as I say, there's a legit sense in a broken world where you have to deal with that. But you think about what happened when Jesus came. Jesus came to tear down walls. Some of us have walled off God. Some of us have walled off parts of our heart. How many of us have lived 30, 40 years, and yet there are rooms inside our heart that we haven't gone to for years because we're afraid to go to those rooms? It's just too painful to go there, so we build a wall and we wall off part of our hearts. Or how many of us have walled off other people? See, that's the problem with racism. Racism just puts up walls for a whole group of people. Class warfare puts up walls for people that live in a different kind of situation. Prejudice against people in other parts of the world. That's a wall that we put up. I mean, listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. The Bible tells us about Jesus in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Christ himself has brought peace to us when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Guys, if I could tell you, you know, here's the thing. I want you to understand, the message of Christmas is not a cute story about a baby being born lights and songs and giving away gifts and all that kind of stuff. That, that's not what Christmas is about. It's cool. I like that part, but that isn't Christmas. The baby in the manger came on a rescue mission so that we wouldn't have to live with a saccharine substitute for peace. He came to give us real peace. He came to be, to be sacrificed in our place. And then to rise from the grave so that he could be our champion, our savior. And anyone who asks him. See, that's the thing. A lot of people have the idea that going to heaven is all about religion. I hate religion. Religion is all about jumping through hoops in some sort of quest for God to accept us. That's not what this book is about. This book's not about religion. It's about you having a relationship with God. And what God wants to do is he wants to take what's separating us off the table, that is our sin, and he wants us to have a relationship with him. And the way to have that relationship, according to the Bible, is to receive a gift. And God so wants you to have this gift of adoption into his family, to be his daughter, to be his son, to be forgiven of all your sins, and most of all, to have everlasting life. I wish you could see God's face. Maybe this will help. Tomorrow, a lot of you are going to get a gift from the person who loves you most in the world. And you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's the, it's the main gift the person who loves you most has gotten. Do you know the smile on her face while you're opening that gift? Do you know the smile on his face when you're unwrapping that gift? That is how God feels about you to the exponent.
He loves you. And he sent Jesus into the world to pay for your sins so that he could take away all the things that are separating you and God and for you to have peace, peace with God, peace with yourself, and peace with others. And all he says is that you ask. I'm going to do something as I'm getting ready to get off stage here. I want to. Leave. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I would love to have that kind of relationship. I would love to have that peace, but what do I do? Would you take a flyer on God? I'm going to pray a prayer, and these are not magic words. I mean, you can pray any words you want to pray, but if, you, if you'd like to join me in this prayer, I'll pray it slowly so that you can decide if you want to own these words and say them to God. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you love me anyway. I believe Jesus came to our world. I believe he died for our sins. And I believe he rose from the grave. I don't understand everything, but I choose to believe. Would you forgive me? And would you make me your child? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just did that, I know you could say, Mark, I don't really know what happened to me. I want to give you a gift. Um, All you got to do is take the card that you got when you came in, or there's one in the seat back in front of you, and just check the box that you prayed to receive Christ. And in this gift bag, there's a Bible. There's a book that I wrote that will help you understand the decision you just made, a DVD and some other cool stuff. It's our gift to you. Whether you're in the South Auditorium or the North Auditorium, all you got to do is go somewhere where you see green and red balloons and just say, I prayed with Mark. And I promise you, nobody will hassle you, stalk you, ask for your routing number. They just want to give you this, okay? Please stay, stay put for a moment. We have a grand finale that you're going to want to see. We're going to have an offering in just a moment, but let me tell you this. We're about to start the biggest series in the history of New Spring. We will not meet next week, but on January 7th and 8th, we start a brand new series with a NASCAR theme. It's all about God shifting your gears and taking you to a whole new level. It's called Shift. You'll see it coming up in the promo and then a grand finale. Please sit tight for a few moments. Thank you so much for being here and Merry Christmas.